Welcome to No Room for Phonies. We're back with episode 52. Hello. Right? That's a it's lot. episode 52. 52. So uh, we're going to start talking about uh, shame, which is um, a twin of um, vulnerability is part of it too, right? And yep. so... Um, our topic today is what do we know about shame? And As in uh, you and I. As in you and I. Yep. And we've done a lot of, we got into Brene Brown and that's where a, a lot, lot of, of our learning information from. and learning is from. But then we added our own little twist to it. But we'll start out with the cocktail. We haven't tried it yet. The honeycomb, which is ice cubes, vanilla beans, honey vodka, vanilla vodka, and sugar syrup. So... I'm sure between now and Christmas we will absolutely try because you like vodka, so I like honey and honey honeycomb. and yeah. honeycomb. So and vanilla beans. So and then um, I, the the books that I want to um, recommend this time are Ambrose Perry, which is a pen name for a husband and wife team. And they've written a series of books that are gripping historical crime novels set in the 19th century in Edinburgh. Um, and they're, the husband and wife team are Chris Brookmere and Marissa Hetzman. Anyway, yeah. there's four books in the series, actually. Oh, I've, four? Yeah, I've read the first one, and I'm in, I'm started the second no, one. I'm started the first one. The first one is called The Way of All Flesh, and he is actually uh, the sort of main character in the story is a a doctor like a, a in training to be a yeah, doctor yeah and then there's the art of dying a corruption of blood and prayers of the dead a medieval mystery so anyway if you like mysteries um it's this oh. if you like mysteries i would highly recommend this uh this book, we're just turning off the iPad so that it doesn't do any beepy things. Um, but just a really, really fun series of books. And I got them at my local library, so you can, I'm sure you can yeah, do I'm that. Sure. And then uh, my recommended podcast this time is we listened to Barack Obama and Brene Brown talk about leadership. Yeah, it was very and that good. Was, it was just mm -hmm. really, really interesting. So if you're wanting to... Um, listen to that it was uh it, it was really good so yeah, i mean despite their celebrity status or whatever you want to call it or well-knownness they both were very pretty down to earth i mm -hmm. think and, yeah they're just yeah. like they were having a coffee i mean yeah. everything is on uh, zoom right now right because it was recorded a while right. ago it so was they, during the pandemic so they weren't locked down together so. in the same room or anything no, no. but it was excellent so and then the question to ponder is how do we find out who we are without labels so when you when somebody says to you who are you do you say teacher father um son all of those are labels all of those are labels so who so are who you who are you without labels? beyond the label your principles your virtues your your um, inner compass your values your yep. those kinds of things so anyway i ponder that a lot and so i just thought i'd put it out there for you to ponder as well so what do we know about shame? So Brene Brown's definition of shame is that shame is an intensely painful feeling or experiencing of believing that we are thought flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging. It's an emotion that affects every single one of us 
profoundly and shapes the way we interact with the world. And I would add that it happens in a lonely situation. When it's hap- when shame is happening, you feel isolated. That it's, it's just you. It's yes, you feel isolated. At the moment, especially, it's like so. You're all alone. Yeah. So I I just made a list of things that make have made me feel shame in the past, and I'll chip in. If and I... you can add your whatever um, things other than that. That so parenting, we all yeah, feel. We both. You know, you you're out and your kids do something, <laughs> you and you're just mistake. like, yeah, or you make a big parenting mistake. Uh, the way we look, I think we can all identify with being ashamed of the way we look, or your hair, your your weight, your this, your that. Particularly young girls, right? And that's a whole thing. I think and boys and too, young boys but too. They haven't been given the same amount of like airtime. It hasn't yeah. been. I think they even bury it further. Money and work is a huge place for shame for to shame. become a thing. Lack of status is shame. Like, I know in the past when, you know, we were struggling more with finances when we were younger, and then we would be around younger couples who seemed to have a lot of money, whether they did or not, or whether they were just more comfortable with debt. Yeah. It made you sometimes feel ashamed that you couldn't do certain things do certain or... things or you weren't doing certain certain things so um lack of status being addicted to something is shameful obviously mm-hmm. um family relationships if you don't i mean we all have some form of i don't know if dysfunction is too strong of a word but there's always no, family drama so. there's always family drama in every family mm-hmm. but we often feel ashamed that it's just our family yep and don't want to talk about it and i'm not saying like, we talked about it on our Brene, first yeah. date <laughs> but Brene brown does talk about um knowing having that person that you know it's okay you don't have to just tell everybody your stuff but you have to have some kind of a circle that you're in where you can talk and about it's not necessarily family yeah not necessarily marriage and intimacy for sure what we own or we don't own, things that we have are um, absolutely... Yeah. Mental health. Yeah, and physical health and sometimes. physical health, yeah, like, sometimes it's embarrassing. Uh, particularly to... like in, for me, um, religious situations where they equate physical or mental health with lack of faith or lack of right. you're not good enough or you're this. You haven't prayed enough or mm-hmm. you have some hidden sin in your life, so therefore there's a illness that's going on uh definitely definitely shame about that yeah facebook and social media are definite Uh, sources well that's kind of status too right yeah and relationships friendships and what's on your calendar can be a source of shame like oh i you don't have anything yeah yeah and people are and oh i'm going here and i'm going there and you're just quiet because you're kind of like it's a feeling of shame that you're mistakes or a lack of a perfect image can be and I said uh, parenthood before but I really think that you have to separate that down into Into there's a whole shame around being a mother and I think that for someone who has I'm around a lot of young mothers now in Mm -hmm. my life like and I am really um, tuned into the kinds of things that we say to each other as women and mothers that cause, cause shame. shame like and 
I'll next episode I'll get more into the fatherhood aspect of shame because mm-hmm. we'll do a little bit more on the gender stuff next but, episode. But um, yeah, no, I just feel what we do to each other as moms, shame wise, is can be very terrible. So that so, was what. So those were the things those that the things I mean. You may have some personal things that are more specific, but I was trying to give like a general, you know, these are sort of the basic categories of shame that exist. I mean, school marks for kids, Mm -hmm. like sports can be a a place of shame. Um, Physical working out like that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. can be a source of shame. But the thing is we heal through our connections with others. And one of the, most important benefits of reaching out to others is learning that the experiences that make us feel most alone are actually happening happening to other people but it's so hard to reach out to others because you're locked in a cycle of shame well and shame loves it craves silence and secrecy so when you feel ashamed you're quiet and you're usually secret about it because you don't want to blab it all over the place. And, and I mean, I don't, I would say that. Well, and then you've made, not you, I've made the mistake of um, sharing something that's a shame, but to the wrong person. And then it blows up. And then it's worse, right? Because. So then you learn maybe not. And I think as kids, we learn pretty fast to withhold and shame also is goes hand in hand with fear which prevents us from being the best version of ourselves Mm -hmm. and perfectionism is the friend of shame and fear yeah there's a whole nother layer you know and a growth mindset then is the enemy right because if you can say um well i'm not perfect but you know i'm learning i'm growing and i'm i know this is a silly example but um, there are no silly examples. All right, there are no silly examples. <laughs> but quilting is a good example of where perfectionism can make you feel. It is. What are you laughing because at? Because you're bringing it up half an hour later from <laughs> a little quilting example. Yeah, well, I get, I get passionate about what I'm doing, but I don't care. But what I'm saying is being unwilling to share a project or something because it's not perfect. Right. Whereas if you have a growth mindset about what you're learning, mm-hmm. it's the same thing about not wanting to like take somebody a meal because it might not be right. You know, like yeah. Well, that's the opposite of of, of a growth mindset is the static one where yeah. you, you you're stuck. You're stuck, and you have to do things perfectly so you don't move forward. No, and then yeah. it 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 is discouraging to try a project if it's has to be perfect. Because yeah. you can't make anything perfect. It's no. Not, and then, know. well, it, and then there are certain people that, sorry to do, <laughs> to, to trigger this. Remember, uh, uh, Pam baked a pecan pie. No, a peach pie. And put pecans in it. Well, instead of being grateful and gracious and thankful, my mom said something. Well, who puts pecans in peach pie? So no. there's an example right away of somebody trying to shame you. So I don't know if we're getting into the no, fact but that... well, it's passive aggressive behavior. We do, but the idea is that shame traps us because it defines us because we're not al- allowed to understand our difficulties and our trauma. But that's not who that's not who we are, no. and which is why I asked the question: 
in the beginning, who are you beyond what you can do and what your labels are? Well, and the thing is, labels, we were mentioned, like the kind of generic labels that society gives us, you know, job, gender, role in the family, yeah. whatever. But shame puts other labels. Yes. And we wear those yeah. even heavier. Right. And you can validate difficulties and problems and trauma and still not be defined by them. I am not the bad things that have happened to me right. in my life. But it's hard for it's hard to walk away from the bad yeah. things that happened. And I'm not the mistakes not I have them. made. No. Because you know, that's where um you know, we were talking about those levels of awareness as people, right? If you're yeah. stuck kind of at the bottom where everything is about, well, I've done this bad and I've done this bad and I've done this bad. And then you even kind of take responsibility for doing it bad, which is kind of a level two thing. Well, level one is everybody else's Right. Fault. But level two, you can get stuck in that, well, I'm responsible for this and I'm responsible, yeah. but in a heavy way mm -hmm. rather than, yes, I'm responsible for moving myself forward. Mm -hmm. But if you can get past those kind of where you're one, blaming everybody else or two, taking full responsibility to the point where you're like, okay, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm this, I'm that. That, then you can actually rise mind. above it and mm -hmm. support other people who are kind of going through the same stuff you are. Right. And uh, shame just traps us in that world where we think we're the only ones. And when we speak our shame to someone who deserves to hear it, then we reconnect and we begin to see where the message of shame is actually coming from. And yeah, that's one thing I really took from Brene Brown's books or podcasts was um sharing it with someone who deserves to hear it right and the most recent example that in the one podcast was about the marble jar where you know the, you as people do things with you and you build trust one every little deed they do towards you that's kind and respectful and trust building you put a marble in so if if they have well, a one of the things of, she was like but saying if you so something to somebody who isn't have a marble like doesn't have your best interests at heart it's not well and then the other thing is if you tell someone something and then you know it particularly in work environments yeah. and then all of a sudden you're aware that they have told somebody else mm -hmm. like keeping it in the vault which is another phrase that she yeah. uses like mm -hmm. when something's in the vault you trust that that person isn't just going out to share whatever you've said. Right. And I think the other one that I've experienced a lot is where someone wants to know all about you and your issues, mm -hmm. but they don't want they don't want to tell anything no, to don't. you. They shut down. They don't even volunteer it. And, so, and it. and you can feel it just in the questioning way. So I'm just like, okay, well, it has to be mutual. I'm not just going to spread out my life in front of you if you're not going to... Yeah share something back so and I, even if if the, even if they are keeping confidences and everything it's still a wall of yeah of, of where yeah. the trust breaks down so i think that's where we learn we've learned a lot about you know you can have people in your life that aren't like your deep whatever you can have casual friendships and stuff but you do need to have like in Brene brown's case she says like she can think of one or two people in her life that she actually can yeah so it's not like you have this group that you... Like a big group. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think one of the things that um, I've read a lot about is this idea of being critically aware uh, 
as a strategy to fight shame. So being aware that someone else is trying to shame you is a way to fight shame. Mm -hmm. Like take a step back and say, whoa, like I really didn't do anything here. Why am I feeling? Mm -hmm. And and analyze the situation a little bit instead of just taking it all on yourself and feeling shame. And one of the key things that I have learned recently is... Uh, is listen to the emotions. If you all of a sudden are snappish or irritable or or weepy or what, not you. I mean, if the person, no, I if know. the listening audience. Oh, we, I can be like. <laughs> I was thinking about sure. myself actually, but you know, if if you know if you're short all of a sudden and you're in, in a situation and you can just hear it in your voice, whoa, 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 why am I so short? It could be that you, you need to think. And be critically aware of are you being shamed at that moment and or do you have a reason to feel guilty which is a good segue into what we were right. talking about next because guilt and shame are not the same thing and guilt isn't always bad no guilt isn't always bad guilt is the feeling you get when you've really done something wrong or perceived you've done something wrong and yeah. shame is the feeling that you are wrong right. and it may not be related to anything specific exactly so when you feel guilty about something you did, you can take steps to make up for it and put it behind you. You can go to somebody and said, man, I really messed up. I'm so sorry that I made mm -hmm. you feel bad. Like, and I think that this is a big problem in the world. I don't think people no. can do that. But feeling shame or well, being convinced. That's a whole nother episode is apologies. Yeah. <laughs> or being convinced that you are the thing that's wrong. It, there's no way to come back from that. No. Like, and so that's one really big difference between mm -hmm. guilt and shame. But guilt is actually feeling remorse or responsibility for something you've done wrong. And that's okay. Right. That's okay. I'm going like this because he's got to move down so I can just at least see my bullet points here. And it always relates to something specific, a mistake you've made or a what? an guilt offense. Yes. Guilt. Mm -hmm. Like you've hurt somebody, whether you've hurt them intentionally or unintentionally. And I always said that like as a leader, when you're a leader, particularly in a school setting, you're moving at lightning speed all the time, making mm -hmm. decisions. Making 20 so decisions if I've unintentionally second. offended you, then you have to be able to come to me and say, hey, that really hurt my feelings when you did that. So I can say, I'm really sorry that I did that. I'm 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 just mm -hmm. sorry that I did it, mm -hmm. and I'll be. And that's another thing that we are, as in general as a society, not good at, is trying to clear the air when when we feel offended. Instead, we bury it. Mm -hmm. We get revengeful. We hang on to grudges, well, or we think, go and gossip. Well, and I think the other thing is like I've had some experience where I've tried to have that conversation with some people and. Where I've tried to say, hey, that really hurt my yes. feelings and I've gotten even more right. crapped so, on. So maybe so, that's, it's hard though, because then it's a cycle. But but you can't let yourself, like, it, you, you can't. I think it's probably gotta, ultimately better to go and say you hurt my feelings. Well, then you find out the truth about that person. And whether Like or their not true it, character Whether you continue, there, whether right? it's... And whether you continue at that level yes. of a relationship. And shame is just feeling that you're bad, worthy of content, inadequate. And so you relate your behavior of self 
Like it's related to you as all your behavior or yourself in relation usually to other people's opinions and not... Uh, so, I, th- I think it's like putting on uh, virtual reality goggles and headphones because it's not just the glasses you're looking through. It's also the le- the, <laughs> the sound waves you're filtering it through. It's as if you're in this alternate reality and you filter everything through. Right. And, it, and sometimes it happens because of the way you were raised, right? Because... Mm-hmm. From the day you're born, you're learning to feel whether you're okay, whether you're accepted. Your self-esteem is shaped by whether you're praised or criticized or loved or disciplined or taken care of or neglected. Yeah. And so people... Well, just, I remember when we were early... On, well, just be, before we were parents, we were reading about, you know, raising children and not um, bestowing labels and names and identities upon our own kids you know, as you know, like you are a good, da, 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 or yeah. you are a bad, da, da, whatever the labels are. And, um, and then, and also it said like teachers have so much clout and mm-hmm. say in, especially in the elementary school years in, well, in high school too, but <clears throat> mostly in high school, it's your peers that start saying and then you adopt a lot of what your peers say about you well and then you start feeling that you're inadequate and inferior and and then that's where shame um comes from yep but um like over time if that's all that happens to you then your self-image and your self-esteem and that uh, and feelings of shame come from what other people think of you a lot of the time they think of you Yes, say they think of you. And then um, this is where um, there's been some focus in the research on serotonin and how that... um, You mean the connection between brain chemistry and and shame? Yeah, and and, um, that low levels of serotonin can actually contribute to you feeling more feelings, leading to feelings of shame because you're more submissive submissive do they know if it's chicken or egg like if no, you feel shame i don't know does it lower your serotonin i'd have to look more okay. deeply into it. evidence is increasing that serious problems occur when shame gets deeply woven and because wh- what does it lead to it obviously leads to suicide and mm-hmm. like all kinds of mental health problems anxiety and everything so one of the things that you can do is is increase your serotonin like Right. One of the just, things you can do, even if you are just an anxious person, mm-hmm. having um, increasing your serotonin is one way to help you help your brain yeah, handle cope it. And, cope, yeah. right? So, so and what are some ways that we can increase you can serotonin? Eat, you can eat whole wheat bread and turkey or cheese and oatmeal. I can't eat whole wheat bread. <laughs> no, nuts, salmon and brown rice, plums, pineapple, crap. Um, Pretzel sticks with peanut butter, milk, like those are not hard things to eat, but those are the kinds of snacks. Not very keto or paleo friendly. No, wait. No, but. Because basically carbs are part of increasing serotonin. But But those are good carbs. Nuts and and salmon are good. Yeah. And and protein. There's quite a bit of protein. Yeah, yeah, no. And I mean, and exercise, getting your heart rate up. Go for a walk. Yeah, bright light, sunlight, spending time outside. Mm-hmm. Vitamin D, I think, is yep. probably a good way. I like a supplement. And mas- apparently massage, because 
helps your serotonin and it's good it's known also for promoting good sleep having um, good serotonin levels yeah yes and regular and you'll your appetite will be more regular and your learning and your memory and positive feelings and pro-social uh behavior so yeah. like all those things um and of course if we're not sleeping well then well it then shame it kind of cycles yeah, it's all cycles right but people with low serotonin have more anxiety they're irritable they can be aggressive they have sleep issues impulsivity decreased appetite di- even digestive issues like yep. nausea and they crave sweets and carbohydrate rich foods so there's good carbohydrates and there's bad carbohydrates right, right. like Brown rice, there's all kinds of varieties of brown rice. We eat a whole bunch of different varieties. Yes. We eat mm-hmm. some kind of... Black rice, red rice, yeah. Manitoba, wild rice. Yeah, so there's all kinds of things that you can do. So that's about just a little you know, insert there about serotonin and that you can actually um, do something physically about it right? by exercising mm-hmm. and getting sunlight and... Whatever and, and not just go the pharmaceutical route right away. No, no. Or in in isolation. I, I would say that if you feel you're struggling with shame, anxiety, and all those things, that probably the first thing that I would do is see a very good naturopath. I mean, mm-hmm. we have Carrie Rongets, 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 mm-hmm. and she's located in in the in Niagara Fontil region, in yes. the Niagara region. But she mm-hmm. does a lot of online consulting now. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I would say some... And soon to be mobile clinic. And I, oh yeah, and I would also say that um, you can get bad um, what? naturopaths yes. that are a little cray-cray, but <laughs> um, a good balance, like finding a really good, strong family doctor mm-hmm. and a good naturopath are an excellent mix. Yes, and well, while, we're, while we're giving Carrie a shout out, um, she works to complement uh, your doctor's treatments and whatever, not to fight against your doctor. So it's very refreshing, the, the yeah. whole approach. And then shame and expectations, right, are a whole thing. So expectations entangle us, like our social and our community and our family expectations. We need to build empathy and understanding over having expectation and then we'll be resilient to shame by recognizing our triggers to shame and, re- and then uh, naming I'm, them. We need this to be more concrete. <laughs> I okay, need a go. good example. <laughs> well, when you expect certain things from, from, or when the community expects certain things from you, okay, and you don't do it, then, or you're expecting somebody to do something and they don't, and so it all just becomes intense i have i have a perfect little example which i won't get into too much but it'll segue into next episode so in the community where we live or particularly 24 25 years ago when i was a full-time stay-at-home dad it's very much uh hockey town uh the guys are pretty much um I don't know what you... Changing would... now with It's changing. Well, that's what I mean, in, but, but 20 years ago. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. You know, you know industrial, hardworking, a man's man, you know, they think of the Ford truck advertisements and the Marlboro cowboy, that type of guy. So 
not quite that bad. But... Uh, okay, that was your perception. I can't change. I well, can't... anyway, the expectation yeah. on like the expectation on me as a stay-at-home dad because I was proud to wear that label. Right. Uh, but the the shaming would happen by right. looking, by comments, passing yes. aggressively. Yes, and people kind of feeling that you weren't and. And yeah. both both women saying things like, "Oh, so your wife isn't really all that well supported then." And, well, and, and you know what? Uh, the, the other one that I thought of the was when we were taking that course online, and there and it was a so it was about a sewing machine, a little. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a man, and all of a sudden, yeah, a was new like, a new quilter. Oh, are you like, like nobody went on and on about any of the women that were there to learn about their sewing machines no but all of a sudden there was this man and it was like that there was something amazing because it was not a, it's not a community or social expectation that men would sew or be creative or own a sewing machine so i think we have to build some empathy so anyway, and understanding so, yeah, so there i would say i felt shame yeah you know, I was and trying I, to find... I don't know how that guy felt but i felt for him i was like I was there too, and I want to say, "Hey, buddy, yeah, <laughs> ignore this." <laughs> but I, it is, you know, and it's the same thing. Like when you and I are sitting on a bench in a, in a, in knitting yeah. or crocheting, and somebody's like, "Oh, well," they don't really look at me crocheting, and in fact, I'm the one that came to it much later. Yeah. Like I'm not even as skilled, but. If he is, well, then, wow, what do you? Why do you like? When did you start doing that? You know, it's just people can and and. They'll ask her whether she taught me, which is cute. Well, and I think the other one, I think the other one where shame is a big thing is when you um, think about a holiday season coming up Mm. and people start asking, oh, so when are you getting together with your kids or what are you doing or how's whatever. And for some people, that's shame inducing because maybe they're not seeing their kids. Yeah. Maybe that's not happening. Maybe they're alone on Christmas. Mm -hmm. Like... So, I mean... So we really have to work on these expectations and, and, and rather than have expectations, be empathetic. Yes. And, and um, you know, talk about whatever and, and, you know, instead of saying, oh, when are you getting together with your kids for Christmas? It's more of like, what, what, so what are you doing around the Christmas season? Do you have any free time? Because maybe you could step in and fill in a gap or maybe the the two groups of people could actually make plans because i think there's a lot more people that sit alone at christmas with just their family which is fine than you would realize or parents of grown kids that aren't with their kids at christmas Mm -hmm. so you know and i think there's ways that we can be empathetic and understanding instead of just falling into that thing where we're triggering shame and upsetting people people. or, you know, making people feel bad for no reason. And that's what shame is about, making people feel bad for no reason. And I think, um, like, just to end off this, because we're going to talk quite a bit about shame. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, the five important truths that I have learned is that pain is just part of life, everybody's life. So you've got to learn to live with that and you come out wiser and stronger and truer and better and and if you embrace that at its fullest. So if you're feeling 
like shame because you have pain or a hard time or something, then that is hard because then you're not going to embrace it and move past it. Mm-hmm. So, and people, and the only reason that it becomes a thing is that because people do that to you. Yeah. Because everybody has this. Everybody has something going on in their life that is painful. And the thing, though, that happens, to move to the next point, is because it has happened, then fear also takes root. And then you start rehearsing new imaginary conversations or new situations, and you're so fearful. It's all imagination. So, like, you have to really realize that fear is just a feeling at the moment. It actually isn't the thing that's in the future because the present is all we have to do with to deal with and um and so we have to kind of revel in the present and not you know worry too much about the past and kind Mm -hmm. of allow the future to unfold and that's where expectations come in right if we have this and we this and we this and then it doesn't unfold then you're sad or Mm -hmm. you're shamed or you're this and perception is everything. If you believe you can overcome things, you'll put your best and you'll and you and you might just do it. You might fail too, but failure is part of life, right? So and you're never truly alone. So we have Well, to... and the other thing is you don't know there's more than two pathways to overcome a situation. Absolutely. It's not just this and this. No. There's, there's other things in between. And if you can't find somebody who can empathetically listen to you and just listen to what you're going through and just say, yeah, I can, you know, I, I'm hearing you instead of, um, you well, you know. kind of have to try that on with different people. Yeah. You do have to take small risks. Don't divulge the worst things, but and take I, small I risks think... because like some people that are listening to this might actually feel quite alone and not have a network at yeah. all. Yeah. And I think the other thing is I think we get wound up if somebody says, "Oh, why don't you do this?" or "Oh, I I had that happen to me and I did this." And people get upset. Well, I I don't understand that. Oh, like when they say, you know, my situation, the comparative shame. Yeah. But but I the other thing is though, if I'm sharing a problem, there it has to be an expectation at some level that somebody is going to come back and say, well, why don't you try this? Or have you thought about this? Yeah, give some advice. And, and so that's okay. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to go do it. No. But, but you don't have to get angry that the no, advice is being no. offered. And freak out. Because mm-hmm. I've had that happen to me. And bottom line is you're never truly alone. You have to rise above self-defeat. And you'll find that everyone is always struggling with something at a given point, even though their Facebook page looks perfect (laughs) or their Instagram page or their this or their that. Mm -hmm. Because that's, I think, one of our biggest problems with shame is just that you can present this look that is whatever. Mm -hmm. And so So a little challenge I want to leave with you because, I mean, I guess Christmas is on its way, but. I'm reminded of a story I heard at Christmas time of um, because everybody is struggling with something at a given point when you're out in public, particularly if you're shopping and you see somebody struggling with little kids or alone and sad, it's uh, the struggle is obviously there, but you don't know what other layers of shame and guilt they're struggling with at that time. So it's kind of more you know be patient with the screaming child and the frustrated frustrated parent and um 
be well, patient with the, with like, the be patient with the rude and abrupt senior who's you know yeah. well and for me like uh, you know you're standing in line with your stuff to pay for it and some mum young mother is behind you can't you just say go ahead and go forward because you can get out of here with your kids and maybe that'll decrease your stress a little yeah. right there's so many things that we can do when we actually think we're not the only ones struggling with everything. Um, things are way more common. Everybody is experiencing a, a lot. You know, there's a saying that says everyone is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. Mm -hmm. And that that is a, a yeah. very true saying. So this is our kind of, I don't know if I put what I was going to do next week at the bottom or not. Um, but this is kind of our beginning to talking about yeah. shame. And I thought that next week we would talk about um, gender. You said gender. So how shame, shame is different for women and, men. and for men. So um, thank you for joining us. At no room for phonies. Episode fifty-two. And sort of our little um, foray foray into, into what we have learned about shame and how rising above shame and naming it. Naming and shaming your shame <laughs> can help you um, be a, a better version of yourself, live your best life. So welcome or thank you for joining us on at No Room for Phonies, Things We Have Learned.